This portion of scripture was uh, shared by one of uh, the pastors that shared at uh, the pastor's conference in Philadelphia. And uh, like you saw in today's announcements, summers are pretty busy. So we just came back, some of the pastors from that conference in Philadelphia. And that message so touched my heart. It, It truly encouraged me, it encouraged some of the pastors to be purposeful in sharing the good news to be purposeful in our conversations, to be purposeful in going out and pointing others to Jesus. Uh, one of, one of the, the things that we do as believers is God downloads things into our heart and we go and we do it for others, right? Whether it be mowing their lawn, whether it be you know, something as simple as maybe opening up a door for an elderly lady, whatever it may be, God puts those things on our heart and we do them. But oftentimes we rob him of the glory. We rob him of that ability to say, hey, Jesus put this on my heart. Or God, God, God downloaded this into my heart. I know it may sound weird, but this is why I'm here to cut your grass, right? And uh, I so love uh, one of the brothers here on staff. He said, man, I put that into practice yesterday. I said, cool, how'd you do it? He goes, well, someone was dropping off a package at my door. And I opened up the door. I said, hey, do you want a bottle of water? And they said, yeah, man, I'll take a bottle of water. So he ran to his fridge, came back with a bottle of water, and he said, Jesus put it on my heart to give you this bottle of water. And the dude just looked at him, took the bottle of water, and said, okay, and walked away. (laughs) Pretty awesome, right? But God can do that in and through us, right? It it sometimes is awkward. It sometimes, you know, we'll we'll make a, a fool of ourselves, you know. He ran to his fridge, got the bottle of water, and all that could come out was, hey, Jesus put it on my heart to give you this bottle of water but you don't know how that person took that. You don't know as, as he was driving away if he began to think, to, to think about that, right? Say, Jesus put that on his heart to, to give me that bottle of water? You don't know what their week has looked like. You don't know if they went to church for the first time on Sunday and now some strangers telling them that Jesus put it on their heart to give them this bottled water. So we look there at Matthew 9 and in verse 36 of Matthew 9, It says that, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You see, Jesus was moved with compassion over this multitude. Barclay, he had this to say. He said, the word which is used for moved here is the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. It describes the compassion which moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. That word pity, it could be defined as the feeling of sorrow and sympathy that is caused by the suffering or misfortune of others. So what is this suffering? What is this misfortune that caused Jesus to be moved with compassion? Well, it's simple. It's man being apart from God. You see, it moved them to compassion to see this multitude and to say, man, they are apart from me. They, they, they don't know me. Likewise, I was, again, sitting with the pastors in that conference, and I think, you know, Pastor Zach had mentioned it in one of his teachings recently. And we were sitting at a restaurant, and we began to, to look around we said, I wonder how many of these people know Jesus. I wonder 
how many of these people would, would go to heaven if their life was taken right now. And we were moved with compassion for them. We, we began to, to, in a sense, lift them up in prayer, right? And you go to the, the supermarket, you go get your, your milk, your eggs, your groceries, and you just go in and you go out. But on your way to get those eggs, on your way to get that milk, there's people that you come across, right? And the way that we're built here in Miami, the way that it seems like, you know, we do everyday life is we don't really greet people. We don't really have too many conversations with them. Like, yeah, you get your bread, I'll get my eggs and my milk, I'm gonna go pay. But you see, God calls us to be purposeful, to be moved with compassion, to be Holy Spirit-led. What if your purpose initially was to go get the carton of eggs, but God puts it on your heart and says, hey, talk to the person that's right next to you right now. Ask them how their day's been. Just, just make a little bit of conversation and see where it'll go. And, and we shy away from that because it could, it could be awkward. It's not what everyone does, right? Everyone just goes in, gets out, and does their thing. But you see, Jesus was moved with compassion over the multitude. He says that they were weary, that they were scattered, weary as in tired as a result of excessive exertion. Scattered, the idea to be thrown into various directions, right? To be all over the place except where you ought to be. And that's us without God. That's the multitude without God. See, Jesus, he likens the multitude to sheep having no shepherd. So I get it, right? There's not too many shepherds here in Miami. It's not something that, you know, we, we see often, right? It's awesome. But sheep, they cannot live without the shepherd. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. I did a little Googling. It says that they require constant care and watching over. It says that therefore leaving them unattended can put them at risk and in great danger of their lives. Simply put, there is no hope for the sheep that doesn't have a shepherd. And here Jesus likens this, he says, likewise, there is no hope for the man that does not have God. And as believers, that should break our heart. As believers, we should go out into the world and say, I wonder if he knows Jesus. I wonder if she knows Jesus. God, would you give me a word for this person? Would you give me a word for, for that person? And it's not that we would always do that, right? But that we would ask the Holy Spirit, download it into me. Let me, let me just start off with, hey, how's your day been? Kind of catch them off guard, right? It says there in Matthew 9 that the harvest truly is plentiful, but that the laborers, they are few. You see, Jesus saw this great human need as an opportunity. And guys, I'm here to remind you guys that we have an opportunity. Every time we leave 
those doors, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to share the good news. David Guzik, he had this to say, the good of a harvest can go to waste if there are no laborers to take advantage of the bounty. So then what do we do, right? In verse 38 there of Matthew 9, it says, therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. We are to be praying. And guys, I would invite you, as I was looking at this, to insert your name there, right? To, to realize that it starts with me. It starts with George, right? It starts with Alex. It starts with Willie. It starts with Isa. Insert your name there. It starts with us. We can be that laborer. We could be that person that Jesus wants to use. I would encourage you and say that he does want to use you. On your way home, if you have to stop somewhere, man, maybe build up the courage, be bold. Ask that person, hey, is there anything I could pray for you about? It'll kind of throw them off a little bit, right? What is this weirdo want? And we're also doing that throughout the pastor's conference. And we went to, to one coffee shop. And um, I was like, man, I want to talk to, to this, this dude about Jesus. But how do I do it? I'm like, I, I, need to, I need to build up a conversation. So he was wearing a sweatshirt, and it had some dude's face on it. It said his name on the side. So I Googled the dude's name, right? I'm like, huh. I'm like, this guy's a jazz musician. I'm like, ah, oh, so so-and-so, they play, they play jazz, huh? And he goes, yeah, yeah, they do. My, my, my wife loves music. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, she, 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 she plays at church. And she, you know, she, uh, she's on the worship team. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. I'm like, you know, we're here for a pastor's conference. Is there any way that I could pray for you? And, you know, we're at a coffee shop. Oftentimes the people that work there are, you know, not always walking with God and kind of a little different, right? But this guy kind of got teary-eyed. You could pray for Alex. Alex said, my liver. And that's all he could get out. He said, my liver. Can you pray for my liver? I said, yeah, Alex, we'll pray for your liver. And little did Alex know that now there would be a congregation praying for his liver, right? And God, he, he does those things. He, he, he puts those things on our heart. And if we would allow ourselves to be uncomfortable, if we would allow ourselves to just do a little Googling, right? To look up who, who, who that person on the guy's shirt is, to try to make a little conversation. If we would purpose to do that, man, God, God will use it. So you insert your name there, right? And you say, okay, I, I want to be that laborer. And you say, how can I grow in this area? Well, go with me to 1 John chapter 4. And in 1 John chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 7 through 11. And what I wanted to, to see here is, you know, Jesus, God's love for us. And as a result, the love that we should have for people. And it says there in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God, he is love. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, there in 1 John chapter 4, it says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. You see, it's, it's easy to do that as a congregation. It's easy to do that with like-minded believers. It's easy to love one another. It's, it's, it's easy to, to have conversations amongst ourselves. But is it easy to do with the person that we don't have much in common with? Or the person that we don't even know if we have anything in common with because we don't really know them, right? It tells us there in verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I pose this question. Do I love people enough to tell them about the good news? See, I like to eat. Oftentimes when I come up here on Friday nights, um, I tell the youth about food because I enjoy eating, right? And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I find a restaurant where the portions are large, the food's good and the prices are right, I'm going to tell you about it. Just recently, I found out about a local place. I won't give them any advertisement from the pulpit, but you could ask me after. I go to it to have lunch like twice a week because it's right there. They serve a lot of food, it's delicious, and the prices are right. And likewise, whatever we're passionate about, whatever we like, what do we do? We tell others about it. See, whenever lunchtime comes around, I'm like, hey, we should go eat at this place, right? That should be us about our Jesus. Proverbs 22.9, it says in the New King James, it says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. I don't oftentimes love the NIV, but it says this, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. They share their food with the poor. You see, if we see that someone is visibly hungry, and we have a plate of food in front of us, what do we do? It's, we're apt to say, hey, can I, can I give you some of my food? Can I, can I, give, you, can I give you of my plate? If, if, if they're visibly hungry, you could, you could tell that they haven't eaten in a couple days. We're apt to do that. We, 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 we're, that, that is our natural inclination. Like, hey, take of this. I'm, I'm hungry, but you're famished. You, you, you need this more than I do. Here, take of it, please. You see, there are so many that are spiritually famished. There are so many that need of God. John 6, verse 51. It says this, and you can take notes of it or turn there. I highlighted it in my Bible. John 6, Verse 51, it says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. 
If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. You see, if you're here tonight and you've tasted of this living bread, right, of this living bread that will give us life forever, if you've tasted of it, likewise the same way that I I enjoy that restaurant, I, I tell people of it, right, we should be telling people of this living bread. It should be our our natural response. Man, you're gonna live forever. There's there's eternity at stake. It's not the next 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 years. There's the rest of forever at stake here. I've, I've tasted of this. Can I share it with you? I see that you're famished. I, I see that there's a great need. Can I, can, I, can I show you? I love that verse. See, if we've tasted of this bread, it is our obligation to tell others about it. Spurgeon, he had this to say. And oftentimes, we're discouraged, Right? because maybe we've shared with someone the good news. Maybe we've shared with someone of this bread and they've denied it. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Maybe it's your uncle or your aunt, that family member that you love so much. Maybe you've shared with them and they've denied it. And you're here tonight and you once prayed for them and you would pray for them often whenever they would come to mind. But recently, you've, you've given up. Recently, you haven't been praying for them. Recently, you've said, no, there's no saving them. They've, they've denied it. And, and we tell ourselves that. But that quote that I mentioned, I would say, Spurgeon has this to say. He says, never let it be thought that any sinner is beyond the reach of divine mercy so long as he is in the land of the living. I stand here to preach illimitable love and unbounded grace to the vilest of the vile, to those who have nothing in them that can deserve consideration from God. Men who ought to be swept into the bottomless pit at once if justice was served. Friends, family, if I could call you that here tonight. I pray that we haven't gotten to a point in our walks. I pray that we haven't been walking uh, so long with God that we've forgotten where we've come from. See, it's not that, that we would dwell upon our past, right? We know that some people do that. It's not, oh, I came out of the party scene. It's not that, right? It's no, I've come out of the party scene. No, I, I, I was a drug addict. No, I, I, I used to be an alcoholic. No, I, I, I did this. I did that. And those things are no longer so. Those things are no longer so. But yet we begin to walk with God, right? And it's been five, 10, 15 years, and you're still walking with him. And it's like we forget that that was once us. It's like we forget that 
God has done all this work in our lives, right? It's almost like we feel like, we don't say it, but we feel like we've arrived, like we got this under control. And then we look at others and we're like, there's no saving them. No, I've, I've tried. I, I, I shared with them the gospel and they denied it. So, so I'm done with them. And you would say, man, there's no hope for this person. Well, we have to get to the point where we realize that we are the greatest sinners. I have to get to the point where I realize that I am the greatest, dirtiest sinner that there is. That that is what God has saved me from. And that no one is too far from God's reach. So I would encourage you guys tonight, if you've been praying for that prodigal son, if you've been praying for that family member, that person at the office, and it's been years of praying and praying, and continue to do it. Do not grow weary in doing good. Continue to lift them up in prayer. Turn with me to Luke 18. In Luke 18, we're gonna look at the first eight verses. And this is the parable of the persistent widow. And it's difficult. It's difficult to to continue in this, especially when we've been denied, especially when everything seems like it's going great for us. This is working out for, for, for us. It's working out for me. I, I've been walking with God for so long. It, this, is, this is great for me, but maybe not for my cousin or maybe not for my uncle or maybe not for this person or that person. But you see, here in Luke 18, in the first eight verses, we see this parable and it's of the persistent widow. And in verse one, there in Luke 18, it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to lose heart. Verse two says, he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary, my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And then it says there in verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? So we have this earthly story with a heavenly perspective, something that we could take from it, something that we could learn from it, right? And we see that, that this widow, she was persistent. This widow, she did not give up in what she wanted, right? And it's not that we have to be persistent in order to get what we want from God. 
We know that he's not a magic eight ball, right? We just keep shaking him. No, it's not that, right? But it's so that we may grow, so that we may grow, so that we may keep going to God, so that we may say in our daily devotion with him, God, there's this person that's on my heart. I continue to lift them up to you. One specific youth, he comes to mind when I think of this this prayer. He always comes up to pray and he prays that his uncles would know the Lord, that they would come to salvation. And it's always the same prayer and something else. He comes up all of the time. He says, hey, can we pray for my uncle? Can we pray for my uncles? I want them to know Jesus. Can we pray for them? And it's almost like I know what half of his prayer request is going to be when he comes up. He's going to pray for his uncles, and then he's going to share something else. And may that be us. May we not grow weary in praying for our loved ones and our family members, our friends. I was reading a commentary on Luke 18, and this specific pastor, um, he gave the purpose to Matthew 18. All right, we could always read the purpose, oftentimes to a parable at the beginning of it. And Jesus tells us that the parable, the purpose of this parable is that we ought to always be praying and not lose heart. And he gives a testimony of this. And he says that, In 1985, he was in college, and he had a friend that he would study with, a friend that uh, ended up becoming a very good friend of his, to the point where he would call this man his best friend throughout his college years, a friend that was always by his side and being able to graduate and being able to get that diploma, and they would spend late nights studying together, This was his friend. He cared for him so much. He says that he himself, he came to know the Lord while he was in college. And he would share of Jesus with his friends. His friends would always say, no, I'm good. No, no, I'm all right. And you see, college came and went. But he still maintains a close relationship with his friends. They went their ways. He went to one state. His friend went to another. But whenever the Lord would bring up his friends to mind, he would pray. And I love when we pray without ceasing, right? What does that that even look like? What does it it mean to pray without ceasing? And it's to, to, to be in the attitude of prayer. And it doesn't have to be a super lengthy prayer. It could simply be a person's name. And God knows. You see, this gentleman's name, his name was Ken. He says that when he was at the stop sign, he would, he, would just, he would just pray, Ken. He would just say, Lord, touch Ken. God, wherever Ken's at, touch Ken. And he continued to pray. And five, ten years, see, he met him in 1985. The 90s went. They were gone. Early 2000s, they came and they went. And he kept praying for Ken. You see, this man, he ended up 
becoming a pastor. And one day he got the opportunity to share in Ken's homestay. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite Ken to come and, and, to, and to listen tonight. He says that, that Ken showed up. And that that night, 30 years later, Ken gave his life to the Lord. And this man, he spent 30 years praying for his friends that he would come to know the Lord. And not only did he come to know the Lord, but his wife came to know the Lord also. And a couple weeks later, although he had to leave his home state, he came back and he water baptized his friends and his, daughter, and, his, and his wife. What a sweet story, right? Of a friend that was persistent in prayer. Of a friend that over the years didn't give up. That's the friend that we are called to be. That is who we ought to be as believers. You see, if he would have given up on Ken, who knows where Ken would be today? Family, there's, there's power in prayer. There is power in persistent prayer. See, sometimes our little ones, they repeat themselves, right? They say things more than once. The other day, my little Gracie, She's a year and five months old now. She was trying to, to open something, right? And she was trying to get something out of, I think it was a bottle, right? And she was shaking it. And she, was, she was across the room, and I'm like, man, I need to go help Grace out. But she kept shaking this thing, trying to get out what was inside of it. And I'm, I'm getting dressed, I'm putting on my shoes, I'm thinking to myself, once I, once I finish tying my shoe, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to help out Grace. I'm going to open up that bottle and I'm going to give her her desire. She, she wants what's inside of it. She calls me Papa. She kept saying, Papa, Papa. And I'm hearing her, but I'm still tying my shoe, right? And up to this point, she had never said the word please, or at least not clearly. And as she kept trying to open up that bottle... What came out of her was, Papa, please. And you see, that could be us here tonight. We could go to our Heavenly Father and we could say, Papa, please. May tonight be the night of salvation for X, Y, Z. May my son, may my daughter, may they come back to the Lord. Ray, if I could point you out from here. You prayed for your son for so many years. Look at him coming to church. And likewise, if we're here and we have that family member that is away from God, that has denied them, that has denied every single time that you try to share the good news with them, man, pray for them and continue to pray for them. You never know when your prayer is going to be answered. Go home tonight and say, Papa, please, Papa, please save this person. And he will listen. See, we want everything done in our timing. We live in a microwave society, right? We want to just pop it in, two minutes, pop it out, and we're ready to eat. 
But God sometimes, he doesn't work like that. You see, his timing, his timing is perfect. And we have to, we have to trust him. We have to trust him because his ways are greater than our ways. And to us, it may not make sense. To us, we may still be struggling as to why this person isn't walking with God. As to why this person is, if we could be so frank, in rebellion against God. And it just doesn't make sense. We want it now. But may we always be in prayer and may we not lose heart like we see there in Luke 18. Mark 16, another verse that I have highlighted in my Bible. In Mark 16 and verse 15, we all know this portion of scripture, right? And it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. To who? To every creature. You see, family, sometimes it is easy to pray for that loved one because they constantly come to mind. We're doing everyday life and they pop up into our mind, so we pray. And it's, it's easy to pray for our son or to pray for our daughter, right? We had said that sometimes we give up. Well, sometimes it's the opposite because they're our family member. But here in Mark 16, verse 15, it says that we are to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, do you know what that means? That means to the fallen world, to the world that doesn't agree with your principles, to the world that is against everything you believe in, to that person that maybe mocks you at work, right? To the person that says some things under their breath whenever we share the good news. That's what it means to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. It's all of them, not just some of them. At my previous job, I now have the privilege of working here on staff at Calvary Miami. There was uh, one individual that I didn't always get along with. We didn't see eye to eye, right? Um, But God put it on my heart one day to just tell them a little more about myself. Tell them, you know, this is what I do eight to four. I, I work here at the office at school, but on Fridays and on Wednesdays and on Sundays, I'm at church. I'm, I'm actually a, a youth pastor. And you see, this person kind of just said, okay, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you do that your time and then one day this person was going through a tough time and who did they go to they went to me I said hey can can you just pray I said yeah I'll pray and I didn't I didn't see eye to eye with this person we we had our differences throughout the years working together they did things that I didn't always agree with 
it would have been easy for me to say, you know what? I'm gonna go out into the world. I'm gonna share the gospel with everyone but this person because I don't agree with them. I'm gonna go out into the world and I'm gonna share the gospel with this dude because he plays basketball and I like to play basketball. We can have conversations and then I can tie it back into God. I can, how easy is that? And I could say, that's enough. But there in Mark 16, it says that we would preach the good news to every creature, to every person. And guys, sometimes that's not quite literally saying, hey, this is Jesus. This is what he did for you. You should accept him into your life. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's just being faithful to where God has called you and to walk the walk. You know, that's a way of sharing the good news, of being a light in the darkness, of not participating in the dirty jokes at the office. When something doesn't honor God, to be able to walk away from it, to not having a dirty mouth when you're in conversation with others. Those things carry weight. That's one way that we are a light in the darkness. That's one way that people realize that the God that we follow is a real God, is the real God. That's how they know that there is an authenticity to our walk, that we don't just talk to talk, but we also walk the talk, right? It's the Monday through Friday. It's not just the Wednesday nights or the Sundays. And guys, I know that this could be a convicting message. Guys, when, when we share from the pulpit, when I share from the pulpit, I'm also being convicted. God, what are things that, that I could change in my life? God, what are things that, that don't honor you that if someone found out about, they would say, nah, his God's not real. Now, his, his walk with, with the Lord, it, eh, it's wishy-washy. What are those things that don't honor God, but they're still a part of our lives? What are those things? See, I've always purposed, or I've tried to purpose in my life, that I would never be the reason or the excuse that someone would have not to return to church. I've always purposed that. I've made, I, I've made that one of my goals, that I would never be someone's excuse. Man, that would hurt so much if so-and-so were to no longer be coming to Calvary, Miami, or so-and-so were to no longer be walking with God, and they were to say, it's because of George. That would tear me apart. Family, may we walk in such a manner that when presented the opportunity, when the Holy Spirit knocks on the door, that we would be able to share the good news without having to worry about what we said last week, without having to worry about what we texted on that thread, without having to worry about what our social media looks like. May we live in such a manner that when that opportunity presents itself, that we would be able to walk 
through those doors. I took some time today. We have a chat uh, for all of the, the office staff, and I posed a question to, to the office staff. And I said, how and when do we share the good news of the gospel? And they took of their busy schedules and they, they answered on that thread, right? And there was a common theme throughout their answers in the thread. And in that common theme was, man, whenever God would open up a door in conversation, I want to share the good news. You see, in my life, I have oftentimes felt like there's an open door and I haven't taken it. I've walked the other way. I felt like there's, there's been a, potential in a conversation to lead things back to God and I haven't taken it. But in asking them, hey, how, when, when do you share the good news? They say, we, we, we wait for an open door in conversation. One pastor, he had this to say. He said, I heard it said one time, talk to anyone, talk to them about anything at any time and naturally you will talk about Jesus. May that be said of us, that in, in any conversation that we would have, that we would be able to point it back to God. Wouldn't that be amazing that people would know, like would, would characterize that about us? Like, oh, George, every time he has a conversation with someone, that guy's talking to them about Jesus. I oftentimes think of, of Joe Gonzalez um, when I go fishing. He was my, my fishing buddy. We would go out fishing in the glades. And the glades is it's a long trail, right? And you would think that you're not going to come into contact with other people. But every time I went fishing with Joe, I knew that he was going to find someone and he was going to tell them about Jesus. And I remember vividly fishing out a fishing hole with him and someone else drove up next to us and started fishing next to us a couple yards down. And here I am trying to catch a fish and here was Joel fishing for a man. He, he walked over and I could hear him from a distance telling him about Jesus. I could hear him saying, hey, Amigo, or whatever it was, right, in, in, his, in his silly way, he was pointing them to God. It wasn't just casual conversation, but it was conversation with a purpose. And as the worship team would come up, I want to remind you that tomorrow is not guaranteed. James 4, and James 4, verses 13 through 14. Uh, we, could, we could turn there as we'll, we'll end with that portion of scripture. It talks about not boasting about tomorrow, okay? And that's in James 4, verses 13 through 14. It says in verse 13, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there. We buy and sell and make a profit. 
Verse 14, it says the following. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? As I also invite the pastors to come up and they'll be available to pray with you guys. I want to remind you that tomorrow is not guaranteed. If God would put it on your heart, call someone on the way home tonight. Remind them that Jesus loves them. Remind them of what God has done in your life. Maybe tonight is the night for salvation through that phone call. Be bold for God. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. If I could be so blunt as to this, we don't know what our car ride home holds. Be bold for Jesus. Our life is but a vapor that it appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see, when I think of Joel, I think of someone that spent so many years telling others about Jesus. When my time comes and goes, if the Lord's tarried, I pray that the same would be said about me. Yeah, yeah George, he, he loved food. He, 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 he loved to fish. But man, whenever he would talk to someone, he would point them back to Jesus. All the days of his life, he, he purposed to walk with God. And may that be our desire here tonight. And in recapping, right, what we've gone through, if you've been praying for that loved one, so again, as I invite the pastors to come up, if you've, if you've been praying for that loved one, continue to do that. If you've gotten to that point where it's almost like it's as if you've given up, don't. Come on up. Let's pray together for that uncle, for that aunt, for that son, for that daughter. Let's lift them up in prayer. There is power in prayer. Let's purpose to share the good news. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this night, Father. God, as we spend some time now in worship and in prayer, Lord, may we be lifting up family members, friends, people that would come to mind, Lord. May we be lifting them up in prayer, God. Lord, maybe it's been years, God, decades that we've been praying for this person. God, may we not grow weary in doing good. Father, give us the strength, give us the words, the embrace to share with them whenever we would see them. Holy Spirit, may you fill us so that we may be poured out. God, thank you so much for this night. Lord, thank you for your word, Father. Lord, we ask that you would give us that boldness, that we may be the light and the salt in this dark world. God, we pray for the Costa Rica missions trip. Lord, all those that are over there sharing the good news. Father, we can't wait to hear all that you have done. We pray that you would use them even now, wherever they would be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.